0: Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, comment, subscribe and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. Uh, Rob, it's been a big week. United. Uh, our last show was looking at Liverpool 4, Man United nil in one of, the, one of countless awful performances this season. But as we kind of suspected and as we predicted, that news or that fallout has been quickly changed. Uh, the, the narrative of the conversation has been quickly changed to Manchester United's shiny new manager that is Eric Ten Hag. His appointment was confirmed on Thursday. How are you doing today?
1: Not too bad. Been a manic 24 hours, obviously, since the official announcement. And as you said there, we did predict this. We knew it was coming. We'd heard you know, from our credible sources as well saying that United were, were planning on this. Why? Because Ajax had finally given the nod. So we'd said weeks ago as well, it, nothing would happen until Ajax was satisfied. Compensation pretty much agreed. And now we are where we are. Eric Hag's made his first comments as Manchester United manager and what uh, how he feels about the football club and what his intentions are. And of course, the whole media spiel around a new manager has begun. The, the, the market has moved slightly towards now looking at the future because we do know that the, who the manager will be. But still some things, I think, to clear up around the appointment and maybe some of the rumours around it. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino and other people, other candidates who were in the mix, and why Manchester United chose Eric Ten Hag over them.
0: Yes, indeed. We'll talk about a bunch of stuff today, probably mostly around Eric Ten Hag. We'll talk about Pochettino, as Rob mentioned there. Look at some of the squad players that might get a look in. Donny van der Beek is, I would imagine, quite high on that list now. Uh, we'll talk about him. Arsenal, uh, on the agenda on Saturday as well. Ultimately, that does seem quite not that important in the grand scheme of things, because I don't think United are making Champions League this season. Uh, and I'm not going into that game expecting anything to change. I don't know about you, Rob.
1: Yeah, I look, I think that if Manchester United truly felt that they were going to make top four or form was good or Ranić had a good grip of things that were happening at like Old Trafford, then this announcement doesn't get made, does not get made in terms of timing. Now, I don't think they timed it specifically because you got thrashed at Anfield. But we knew it was coming because the last few weeks have been bad, haven't they? So this was all about shifting the conversation towards the future and to where we'll be going forward. And you're right, the Arsenal game, it, it's still important in terms of United's ambitions to potentially sneak a top four place. But look how well Arsenal are playing. Look how poorly Man United are playing. It's, it's a moot point, isn't it? Like, what, what, what are we talking about if we're talking about a game where Man United haven't been turning up for matches? And now you've got a new manager coming in anyway and an interim going out. So uh, that's a shame, isn't it? Because we should be talking about United's ambitions on the pitch in the next week or two. And unfortunately we all feel the same thing. And that is that the season is all but over and we're getting ready for a mad transfer market in the summer and the arrival of the new coach.
0: Yeah. Have you seen the fixture list, Rob? It's obviously Arsenal and Chelsea. I think the Chelsea game has been moved into next week Mm. and I think United, from their penultimate game to their final game, have about two weeks of, mm. <laughs> of uh, no matches or anything like that. So it's, it's a little bit of a weird end to the season, but I don't think United are making top four with uh, Tottenham and Arsenal in the mix at the moment. Uh, that might have been different if they have picked up some results along the way in the last few weeks, but it doesn't look like it's to be. But a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter too. Uh, my at is at underscore Scott Saunders. Rob is at underscore Rob underscore B and the show is at Promised Land Mu. Uh, So when do we want to start, Rob? Should we just do a bit of it's finally done then? Uh, Because obviously it it has been confirmed. uh, And for me, this appointment now has been met with, I don't think I've ever seen a, a United managerial appointment, obviously since Ferguson left. I don't think I've seen the narrative around it being, well, this manager's coming in, but he can't literally do anything unless X, X and X changes because we've seen... Mourinho fail, we've seen Bengal fail, we've seen Solskjaer fail, we've seen Moist fail. Ultimately, it's been out of the power of the manager, out of the control of the manager, and obviously I think Ten Hag has spoken to United, United have assured him of certain things, there's different people in the mix at the moment, in terms of who makes the decisions, Edward was gone, etc, etc, so what does Ten Hag need to have assured to him to succeed, and What are your initial thoughts on it? Do you have any kind of confidence that the new setup or new setup in air quotes uh, will make a difference? Do I have confidence? Well, I think, again, when anything's
1: to do with Manchester United and the hierarchy and the commercial arm driving stuff, no, I don't have confidence. It's always a wait and see. doesn't mean they won't get it right, but I think you have to be prudent and just wait and see. In terms of the process with uh, Eric Ten Hag, we can kind of talk about this in a little little bit more depth now. Uh, We know that uh, Murtough initially had uh, talks with Darren Fletcher and Ten Hag together in the Netherlands. That was the famed interview when people were talking about they'd they'd met up. And the process then went on that Richard Arnold went to uh, Amsterdam and sat down and had a series of talks with the manager about his demands. Now we do know that Eric Ten Hag said straight up that he wants control, that he does not want to be part of the commercial arm. He does not want to be the guy, you know, being sent out the face of Manchester United, the brand. He wants to be at Carrington with his squad training footballers. Now that is music to my ears, Scott. You know, this is kind of exactly the coach you want. So whether people agree or not that Ten Hag is the right coach, It's the right method. So this is the way the process must be now for Manchester United, is to stay on track and to keep doing this and allow the football people to make football decisions. And the fact that Richard Arnold has given his nod and Joel Glazer to this manager, who is demanding very specific football things, that does please me. That makes me have a little bit of confidence because they might override him in time to come if things go wrong. But at least it allows Eric Ten Hag to start on the first footing, the correct footing, when he arrives in Manchester.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that he will have to address as well. Like from the start, I think Ajax's season finishes in mid-May. So obviously there's still a bit of work to do yet. And I think part of the motivation for Ten Hag... uh, Putting this to bed now is, you know, Ajax haven't been actually they lost the cup final last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a little bit of uncertainty, a bit and bit of unsettling uh since the speculation started to grow that United wanted him. So it's been put to bed now. And he said that in his statement yesterday as well, that he wants to fully commit on Ajax for the rest of the season to try and win the league. They're four points clear of PSV at the moment with five games to go. Uh, but he has a big job on his hands. United will have to uh they have a lot of things to address in the squad, and there was a, a bit from the Guardian which actually stood out to me that I wanted to mention to you. I don't know if you've seen it, Rob. Uh, Ten Hag's appointment has had a mixed reception from the squad, with some players yes. ambivalent and others yes. underwhelmed. So, great, good news. Uh, it's just fantastic to hear that these players are so up for a new a new challenge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I
1: think when we when we kind of, again, maybe dig into the detail, because we were looking at this yesterday in terms of a story and, and sources and who was saying what, um, I think that overall, the senior pros at Manchester United are okay with it all. I think they're kind of looking at it and saying, well, we need a change. We saw that Fred uh, David De Gea came out they, all, they were all very positive, but there has been a few players that have been relatively silent off the back of the appointment. Which, let's be honest, in the modern day, Man United footballers will literally talk about anything, isn't it? When something happens, they're straight on socials and it's yada, 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 putting it out there, you know, their opinions. So that hasn't happened en masse yet. But I do also think the reason for that is because there are games coming up and these players need to have their brains in that now we've just said there that United probably are not that particularly interested in his coming matches, mm. but you do need to be professional. You do need to be able to detach yourselves from those two things. Now, do I think that there is a, a kind of wholesale uh, feeling at Manchester United with players that that maybe Ten Hag will remove some of their home comforts? I think that might be a problem. I think that with Oleg and Solskjaer, he had that connection with them and they felt comfortable around him. But with that comfort, I think, came a lack of drive and ambition at times, and that was shown on the pitch. The, the, the drive and ambition to improve, Scott, you know, to be, I'm good here, but you know what? If I want to match Liverpool or City, I need to be around here. But, uh, I don't know, I can't be bothered. So it's that kind of thing. So I think with this new manager, it's just like any club. Uh, he's going to come in, he's going to like some of the players, he's going to dislike others. And some of those who might be having one foot out the door ready – are probably not that interested in Ten Hag. They're probably thinking, well, I'm a bit ambivalent. That was the word that was getting knocked around via the Guardian yesterday, that there was this ambivalence in the squad. But I think you can carve that up. I think it'll be some players, but I think overall his uh, his appointment will be welcomed.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, obviously, there will be six players out of contract in the summer, inclusive of Nemanja Matic, who's announced already that he will be leaving. Uh, Lee Grant, Paul Pogba, Enidio Cavani, Jesse Lingard... Uh, I don't know whether I'm missing anyone there, but I think that was six, but my Mm. brain isn't in full function today. Um, And there will be other players as well that are on the list of players to be turfed out. And obviously new players will need to be brought in too. Uh, You can check out nuttymin.com at the moment uh, as soon as the show is live for a kind of full rundown on that kind of thing. And you can find it in most other places as well. We've a few little nice lines in there, so go check them out. Um, But... You mentioned the training pitch, Rob. It's, you know, it's, it's important for Eric Ten Hag to be able to coach these players and have the time and the allowance to actually start to improve them because that's something that we have not seen from these players. It's not their, really their fault, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, in the last few years because a lot of them have stagnated. You can't really think of many who've come in and raised their profile and skill level to such a degree. Like maybe there's an argument for Bruno Fernandes, but he's gone backwards this season. Mm. There's not been many. So um, there's a really interesting piece. I'm plugging The Guardian quite a lot here, but you've uh, you shared a piece with me before this uh, from Willem Janssen, Rob. Uh, it's a really good read, to be fair, talking about how his career, uh, I think he was, you uh, trekked. Yes, uh, for, between yeah, between 2015 and 2017. And he, he said he was an attacking midfielder who was transferred into a central defender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, went into Ten Hag's training methods and this kind of thing. And uh, you've you've read the piece, Rob, as well. It's, it's a really interesting read. So I'd advise going to look at that. And it does go into detail about what kind of thing Ten Hag will like to do with his players, how he divides up the pitch in, in training, how he kind of coaxes his methods into players and starts mm-hmm. to make them believe and how it takes a little bit of time. So... So, do you think there's the United fans out here are expecting miracles straight away or is, how's the kind of, do, do you think people will be patient with them? Cause
1: well, look, it'll need, we, to,
0: need to happen won't it.
1: Well, along with Real Madrid and Barcelona, Manchester United are the Hollywood football club of the universe, aren't they? That's how it is. So people who support our football club and especially follow Manchester United in a more fair weather way, in the sense that we are just a, a, a show on television, you know, they live somewhere around the world and they watch the Manchester United show every week what are they expecting? Victories, entertainment, fun, and sport isn't always that, is it? So I think that those fans might be disappointed in the early days of, uh, of Ten Hag's tenure. But like you just said there about, uh, about how he coaches players and what some of his former players have been saying in, in recent times, because he's become a big story now uh, about how Ten Hag positions and postures. And I think it's really, it's interesting in terms of Manchester United's problems about their, Brought this guy in who does this tactical side of it, does the work, identifies ways and means. Now, Eric Ten Hag, I don't know if many people know this, was a center back as a as a player. So in his time, so he has defensive fundamentals as part of him as a human being who plays football. And he's really, really good at identifying players that can serve those purposes, who are not just centre-back. So, I was thinking about this yesterday. I would not be surprised if we see someone like Scott McTominay drop deeper and reprise his Scottish role that he plays at international level almost every game. Because we've never seen it at Man United, have we? We saw Mourinho do it a couple of times with McTominay, and it did happen through injuries. So, I do think with Ten Hag that he will take this Man United squad and he'll pick bits out of it that we've probably not even ever spoken about. Players will do different roles. Um systematically, he plays 4-2-3-1. That's what he's played all season long. He doesn't adhere always to the 4-3-3 that Ajax have traditionally done over many, many years. And he's going to put these things in place now at Carrington. So for me as a football journalist and as a Man United fan, that's really interesting to me because I want to know how this
0: process is going to unfold. Yes, indeed. There will be we'll be in for some surprises, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm I'm ready for the ride. It's it's kind of a nice the fact that the news has been announced, it is you. You don't look backwards. You, you, you kind of you have something to look forward to, and it's a nice kind of pick me up in a sense. Although you know that you can't really get that integrated enough for it, because you know that there's so much work to do that it's going to take a while anyway. But there is a new beginning on the horizon, which is kind of nice to have that confirmation. Uh, and as you mentioned there, yeah, it, we'll we'll get some surprises, I'm sure, uh, and there might be some surprise players that are on the kind of agenda at the moment that. United fans think will we'll be turfed out that end up playing crucial roles and key roles but you know the squad mentality in this uh this kind of thing needs to be addressed by Ten Hag to start with doesn't it do you think he'll have an easy time winning the players around or would it be a challenge for him well
1: again one of the things we've heard directly from people in Amsterdam and people who've worked with him over many many years is that he's very good at getting inside players heads so he will Treat them like humans. It's kind of the Dutch way, isn't it? And you know, Van Gaal uh, talked about this extensively when he came about not training footballers; you're training human beings. And Ten Hag has that reputation of someone that can connect with his players and let them buy into his methods. So you just talked about the Guardian article there uh, with a former player, and he said that you know that he kind of very quickly got on board. And you know what, Scott? If they can do that, United, United have got talent in the squad. There is talent there. The problem is, is that no one's been able to make it all work. So there will definitely be outgoings. There will definitely be incomings. But on day one, when he arrives with that squad, he's going to have to get inside their brains very quickly. He's going to have to gain their trust. And that's kind of what Guardiola did at City. He went there. He got in their heads straight away. Klopp went to Liverpool, got in their heads, created siege mentalities, got players singing from the same song sheet. That's the issue at United, isn't it? Of all the problems... You don't feel that there's any unity there. It's a kind of, it's a like paradox that we're called United and we're not United. So that's going to be, I think, his first big mandate is to come in and get these players feeling like he's their leader, that he's the guy who can do the job
0: for them. He'll look after them, but he'll give them the tactics to go out there and perform. Question for you, Rob: Are you up for a change in transfer policy and the ability for Ten Hag to pluck a midfielder out of obscurity, like has been mentioned in this article from Bayern's second team, plugged in and just used as kind of the glue to maneuver everything together? Because you know United have spent 1.2 billion in the last ten years or whatever. We all know that now, but there needs to be a change. I think we probably will end up seeing that that kind of change. Although United might balance it out with a couple of signings here and there they will need high quality players but it's the kind of thing Ten Hag needs to be given the keys and to be given the the ability to change the team in the way that he sees fit
1: absolutely and yes I am up for that and I've been calling for that for so many years is that you should not be buying footballers on their commercial value yes that is part of the conversation and the idea is that you look at the old United style of not you know buying stars but making them you know that was always a a Man United Ethic under under Sir Alex, and that's really what we do have to return to. Like you, can even look at Manchester City. Yeah, they're not really full of stars. They've got amazing footballers, but the agenda is that yeah, people will buy their shirts. You know, Kevin De Bruyne, someone like that, Sergio Aguero when he was at the football club. You will always have favoured players who are marketable, but it shouldn't be. Why you buy someone? You shouldn't do it for that reason. And Man United undoubtedly have done that in the past. Going, well, he's won a lot of trophies. Mm, will he work for us? Doesn't matter. Let's bring him in. Let's give it a go because he'll also help us commercially. So I think that you'll see that with Ten Hag is that there's going to be signings that are not your your ballers, your top end crystal clear signings. And fans will go because Man United fans are like this. I don't like that. I don't like mm. him. He's not good enough for us. That's not how it is. And like I've said before in the past, United fans would not have signed Mohamed Salah. They'd have gone Chelsea reject. They wouldn't have signed Mane. They'd have gone place for Southampton. No, thank you. They'd have looked at Firmino and gone, Hoffenheim, no, thank you. That's not the level we want. We want someone from the top echelons. Oh, Radamel Falcao's available for a few months. Let's go get him. You know, oh, and DeMaria, Maria. Yeah, he's got loads of assists at Real Madrid. Let's get him. That's been the principle of the football club. And it's a commercial arm playing to the fans. That needs to stop. This now needs to be about a football project and a manager that goes, that player there, like I just said about Scott McTominay, if he says, you're a centre-back and I'm going to use you as centre-back, deal with it, United fans. Deal with it. Let them do it and let them let it unfold because I think we need to see a little bit more of that now. It needs to be a football project.
0: Yeah, definitely. Lone players will return as well. Jimmy Garner, as we've mentioned, yeah. uh, is probably in line for a chance. Uh, there's Decisions to be made on other players as well. Anthony Martial's coming back, although we, we might end up seeing him go, but maybe we won't. Uh, yeah. Ahmad Diallo as well is; he's, it's not really gone super well at Rangers for him, but he needs no. time to adjust. Um, but the the lone player I did want to talk about, and we have mentioned already, is Donny. Uh, I know we've done a we've dedicated a lot of time to Donny on this podcast over the last few months, uh, even when he hasn't been at the club. Uh, you know we've kind of been critical of him, like there was two managers who just not fancied him, really. Uh, and now the, the narrative seems to be it's finally Donny's chance. Uh, and Ten Hag has said, uh, there's been a quote float, floating around about how United have used Donny since they signed him, because Solskjaer obviously was handed Donny van Der Beek, where I don't know whether he wanted him or not, he clearly didn't want him, really, given how he used him. Ten Hag Describes his use as a mortal sin uh, yeah. before his arrival, and now it seems like the romantic story of their reuniting uh, will will start will come together in about June, July. Uh, so, is this as simple as oh, look, they know each other? Donnie knows the methods. He's going to be a key man. No, and
1: the reason why it's a no is that Manchester United are not going to play like Ajax. Simple as that. So you can do stuff in the Eredivisie that you'll get away with and you'll still win football matches and you don't have to think too much about it. If you do some of that stuff in the Premier League, you will get smashed by any of the other 19 teams. So Man Utd are doing that little flux at the moment. Also tactically about when they're trying things and moving things around. Oleg and the Solskjaer found it this year, You know, from last year coming second to this year, coming in oblivion, you know, ending his uh, his time at Man United. And Donny van der Beek was part of that story. You know, I, I say this about players, you know, if you prove it on the training ground and transmit it to a football pitch in a match, you're going to get picked. You know, there, there, there is no favouritism in football. Managers generally trust some players, don't trust others, and then try and pick a team that wins somewhere in the middle. So I think with Donny van der Beek, there was no doubt that physically he wasn't up for it last year. He did really well in the gym over the summer. We saw in pre-season that he'd he'd got fitter, stronger, more mobile, quicker. He'd done all the bits that he had to do, but he still was a problem. He still wasn't going to fit in the system. So I think that that's where Donny van der Beek will be happy uh, as of today, is that he has a coach at least that psychologically knows him, knows what he can do, his limitations, and how to get the best out of him. What you're going to see, and this is a prediction, but I do think it will happen, Donny van de Beek will play as a number 10 for Man United. That's what it is. That's what Oleg and Solskjaer were not allowed to happen under him. He allowed Bruno Fernandes to have carte blanche as the 10. Yeah. So that was, he played every week. And even when United were terrible, what happened? Bruno still played as a number 10. I don't think you'll see that under, under 10 Hag. 10 Hag will go. You're both number 10s. I'll use you differently. You know, in fact, this week, you know, Donny, you're showing me more in training. What I want to see as a 10, as a creator and a link up and a third man runner. And Bruno, you to have to sit on the bench. And you know what, Scott? I love that. That's what I want to see. I want players earning their spot. Because let's be honest, there's been a lot of Man United players who've just been picked because they're the big name in the last few months and years. And we need to push that cultural away. I'm not saying Donny van der Beek's going to be successful. I really don't think the jury is out. I don't think it's like particularly well at Everton. You know, everyone's going, oh, he's showing good bits at Everton. And I'm like, I've watched it. Don't, nothing. I'm not going, I want that player back. But I think there's a there's a good chance for him at Man United now, obviously with this coach that knows him so well. And I also think just put one other name into the mix or players out on loan that everyone's forgotten about is Axel Two and I, I thought you were gonna say Andreas
0: Pereira then.
1: Oh <laughs> well, don't don't give me that Andreas Pereira, like you know, you never you don't know because it's all about how a manager can take a technical player and apply it to the science. And someone like Tuinzebi, you yeah, know, two years ago, we were all very high on him. And it all fell away for him, a bit of injuries, couldn't get the team, went out on loan, didn't work at Villa. It's not really worked and that police, I'm all right. But ultimately, this is a fresh start for a load of players. And I'm sure we'll see one or two surprises because United fans are very quick to dismiss players. But if a new manager can get a song out of them, you know, Adzi Martial, he would fit. That system, when he plays that four-two-three-one, he does. He fits it. It's just whether Anti Martial can come back and show the motivation that he wants to do well for Manchester United.
0: Yes, of course, some players might just actually be resigned to having been at United for a long time and they're just like, and they're why done. am I going to give you another yeah. chance? I'm done. Let me mm-hmm. out of here. And Martial could be one of those players. I think Paul Pogba is one of those players. He's been promised multiple things and it does look like he'll walk away now. You know, um, th- there's probably going to be perhaps not as much uh uptake in the team or like turnover in the team as ralph was suggesting the other day i think he said six eight ten ten new arrivals or something like that i i, I don't know you you ingested that i kind of took it as that's at least four youth players that's not 10 signings you know. Exactly.
1: He, he was talking more about how you recycle positions and what yeah. you do. So there's no doubt that United are going to show the door to a ton of players who are out of contract. That's just going to happen. Um, as you said there, I think the relationship between a section of those out of contract players and the club itself, so the hierarchy, and we're talking about Richard Arnold and the board, that's fundamentally broken in some cases. So that's why players are leaving. You look at Matic. I think mean, that's a really good example there where he could have triggered an extra year. And let's be honest, if he was Jose Mourinho's player, and Jose Mourinho was still at the football club... He oh, he's still go into
0: Roma, by the way, isn't, you know, isn't he? Still isn't still he?
1: <laughs> he's following Jose around the planet. When Jose ends up in the MLS in a few years' time, yeah. he will no doubt be signing Nemanja Matic at 40 uh, for whoever football club that he plays for in the MLS. But I do think that when you kind of uh, you, you look at some of those players that maybe have fallen out of being in love with being a Man United player. I think Marcus Rashford might be one of them. So these are the conversations now when a new coach comes in, you have to start again. So it's a fresh start. But as you just said there, the players go, well, it's time to move on. I want to go and do something else. Paul Pogba has been lied to continually by Manchester United since the day he walked in the door and he knows that. So even up to a year ago when they were still negotiating and he was saying, I'm willing to stay if you do this, this, this and this. Not really happened, does it? You know, Oregon Solskjaer's gone. We've got another new manager, another new style. Ironically, I think Pogba could work really well with this new coach, just in terms of how the system worked out. You could see Paul Pogba playing in Ten Hag's version of 4 2 3 1 in the double pivot with someone like, hmm. Declan Rice that would work beautifully because just in terms of style just the way that this manager likes to play it it's not a McFred double pivot like Ole played it. it's totally different it would allow Pogba to be expansive from a deeper role he'd like that he'd be he'd have a lot more freedom in that in that system so that could happen but I do think that there's a lot of Man United players that just think I'm done here I don't want to work for this lot anymore it's time to get
0: a new set of employers Maybe Ten Hag does have such a way with words that he can have a conversation with Paul Pogba and manage to turn it round. We'll see. Uh, it's it's not completely confirmed yet, although uh, although I do think it, and expect Pogba to go.
1: I think the thing is as well is that the conversation between Pogba, his agent and Manchester United have been ongoing forever. So I think in this case, that will dictate where we go with the player. Uh, Even if the manager comes in and says to Paul Pogba, I want you, I want you to stay. There is so much garbage behind the scenes between player, club, and even the fans getting involved in all of this, that it feels toxic, doesn't it? So it doesn't really matter. I think what the manager really does say to Paul Pogba, I think Paul Pogba will already have his ideas about how to exit the football club. And I don't blame him, Scott, you know, like, Mm -hmm. His treatment overall remains, I think, heinous. He gets blamed for all sorts of stuff. You know, he spent six minutes on the pitch against Liverpool and people were saying he's feigning injury. And the story the next day was about him. And it's like, man, I just got beaten 4-0. Why are we talking about Paul Pogba? You know what I mean? Should should we talk about maybe the other 10 players on a football pitch? So I think that he eventually will just get bored of that and go, well, I don't need to do this anymore. I can get paid somewhere else. We know that Real Madrid are interested in him. He's got options. Juventus have always been knocking on his door and said you can always come back to Turin one day. So I think he will exit a football club, unless, of course, it's just a dare, Ten Hag magically sprinkles some Dutch fairy dust on the situation and says, you're my guy, you know, sign up for another two or three years and we're going to win the Premier League. Will Pogba, believe him well, he might believe Ten Hag, not quite sure he'll believe <laughs> Richard Arnold.
0: Yeah, um, that's a, a good uh, segue back into something I did want to discuss, uh, taking a broader view of everything, you know. Uh, and we, we spoke before we started recording about perhaps United not acting properly throughout the entire process. Obviously, they, they, they've they interviewed certain managers, uh, Ten Hag being one of them, Russia Pochettino being one of them, etc. etc um but it has emerged since that Pochettino isn't quite that happy mm-hmm. with speaking to United and then not essentially not being informed that he didn't get the job if I, if I have uh, understood those reports correctly does that reflect badly well obviously it does does it reflect badly on United does it signal that they've changed or are they still is this still amateur hour from the top manchester
1: united are a little bit of a version of football narcissism, and that is that if Ma- if Man United feel it benefits them, they'll go and do stuff. They'll communicate. They'll they'll find methods to get to where they want to be. But ultimately, they don't really care about a ton of it. So you've just got Ten Hag, and you're just there referring. Uh, we-, we talked about Pochettino a little bit earlier on. You know, talked about his connections to the club. Uh, but What do we know about the situation and the process of hiring the manager? We know that Man United spoke specifically to three managers. So Pochettino was the other one. The other one was Lopetegui. So we know, we know this. We know this from agent intermediaries. Um, and Pochettino was very much on the table. Had extra talks with Richard Arnold, and had been at a stage <clears throat> where he felt he was in the mix and that he was planning for the future as Manchester United manager. The problem is, is that Man United didn't tell him that he didn't want him. So this is what I think you're going to hear a lot more over the next few days. I think this story is going to roll on a little bit, um, certainly from France as well. And that is that Pochettino was just kind of left high and dry. And I think he found out that the new manager was a new manager when he clicked on social media, scrolled down to the Man United Twitter link and clicked on it. And there was a big picture of this bald guy from Holland. So I, I, I think that it just shows how many United do business. They're not great at these things. They don't, they don't work well within the normal system. They don't look after people. You know, they could have gone to Pochettino and said, look, thank you. You know, cause this is what normal business does. Thank you for your interest in the job. We really like you. We're just going to pre-warn you that the announcements coming out. They didn't do that. So that's not good due diligence. Not a good way to operate. And it's, we've heard this before. We've heard it from players who said, I was about to sign for Man United. And then the phone didn't ring again. Now, that's happened a lot over many, many years. Man United needs to get with the times. It needs to be a bit more of a modern business. They operate like they're this kind of goliath. Even Real Madrid and Barcelona do that better. You know, they will talk to players, they'll talk to candidates, and they'll be a lot more open. Whereas Manchester United
0: are not. They're a bit of a closed book. So are you telling me, Rob, that United have damaged the relationship with Pochettino so much that that is off the table forever?
1: No, because... <laughs> What happens, as we talk about recycling in football, is that if this doesn't work, say for two years, three years, say two years time, Ten Hag hasn't worked out at all, and Pochettino hasn't got a job, and they offer Pochettino a lot of money, and Pochettino fancies the Premier League, maybe he's gone back to Tottenham in the meantime, and it didn't work out at Tottenham, he had a row with Daniel Levy, you know, at McDonald's outside of uh, the new Tottenham Stadium that night, and they've broken up. Things can happen, Scott. You can always go back. It does happen in football. You can never say never. And I've had so many football people say that to me in the past, managers and players. You can never say, I'm not going to play for that team or work with that team. But in the short term, absolutely. That's been, that's the nail in that coffin has been, you know, smashed in there now. The fact that, that also that Pochettino was initially Ed Woodward's man. He'd spoken to him for over several years. Ed Woodward's gone. So, those things evaporate out of thin air. But you know what? Man United could say to their prime candidates, thank you, but no thank you. It's it's good business practice. I think we would all do that, Scott, in our own businesses when we interview people. You don't give the job to someone and then tell all the people that you've interviewed the other 10 people, oh, you haven't got the job. You do it in the right order. You do it in the correct order. You do it,
0: you know, professionally. Man United just do not do that. Well, uh, let's hope it does, it's that's not an indication on how United will be moving forward. Because I think... They've actually made this announcement now. Uh, how are you going to look at this moving forward, Rob? Obviously, Arsenal will come around the corner in, a, in a, like 24 hours as we record this, uh, or just over 24 hours as we record mm-hmm. this. Is it time now to look forward and be positive? Well, my catchphrase is always, don't get too
1: high, don't get too low. I use that all the time in all my football yeah. work, uh, and I'm still there. But this is also why, Scott... In the last few weeks, that I've not been completely miserable with the form. Of course, watching the games is terrible. It's horrible. You know, they're a bad football team. They need breaking up. You need new players. You need new tactics. You need a new coach. But we're going to get them. It will happen. You will get new players. You will get new tactics. You've got your new coach. So am I looking forward to it? Absolutely. You know, I always say it's about football, that even though this, at Man United, we are entrenched in politics – the ownership issue has been an issue for 15, you know, 15 16, 17 years. Uh, and we talk about these things expansively all the time. Unless you enjoy the football part or the kind of the sport, how you become good, then what's the point in doing it? You know, if you're a Liverpool fan, you should feel good about the whole of the last six years from day one, when you were terrible and day two, 20 when you were terrible and day 300 when you still weren't that good and day 600 when you're getting better and day 1000 when you won the champions league you should revel in that process that's the kind of fan i am i like to watch it build and happen now we've been robbed of that by this man united set up for a long time managers have come in they've not been back they've been back the wrong way they've fallen out they've left the football club as I said yesterday, I've backed every appointment pretty much. You know, I've always felt that there's been an upside about all the men that have been given the job. And I feel that about Ten Hag. I think that he's going to get unprecedented football power that other managers have not been given at United. I feel good about that. So Arsenal's coming up. Like you said there, people might be listening to this now. That game might have happened. And they might be thinking, oh, Arsenal beat Man United 12 nil." Or it might be the other way around. United might react because they've got, got a new coach. Players, Scott, might be going. I've now got to play. I want to stay here. They've, this manager's watching me. It's not about Ralph anymore. It's about Eric watching it on Sky Sports. So that might happen against Arsenal. And wouldn't it be nice if we burst their bubble as
0: they chase the top four? Well, I'm just going to put my thoughts out there and think we're going to lose three uh, nil. <laughs> Cause I just think this season is pretty much a write off, uh, you know, and, Generally, but that's the right stance. To take. The Emirates,
1: recently. yeah. Look, look Arsenal sure. better than United. Like that's just a bottom dollar. United, Arsenal are a much better team than United. Harry is dancing at the moment behind the. Behind the but and there is a however at the end of my statement. You've seen that all of these teams in the top six, top seven, top eight can drop points at any time. You know, you see Tottenham playing really, really well. Beat Man City, fantastic! Brighton turn up, they lose. So it does happen in football. Uh, I, I I have no kind of hope about United getting top four. That ship sailed for me for a little while ago. But I, I'm I am now more interested about the future. I'm actually in my head more thinking about preseason already. Yeah. I'm thinking about in my in my job and our job and what we do in our industry. It's going to be a huge summer in terms of uh, Manchester United's tour and with the new manager and new players coming in and we're going to get linked with players like never before. Like we get linked incredibly amounts and it's going to be even worse this summer. So we need to be ready for that. So I'm already thinking like that as both a fan and a journalist. Uh, And these games are a little bit of like goodbye to Ralph. I hope that the players actually turn up for him because he deserves it. He's a, he's been part of this process to get Ten Hag to the football club and I think he'll still have some input even though he won't be at Manchester United directly. Um and wouldn't it be nice just to have a few things to smile about at the end of the season on a football pitch Scott
0: It would be. Uh, I'm still not expecting it. I am kind of looking forward to the end of the season and just starting a fresh chapter because I think as soon as that kind of comes Well, even maybe before it, if there's a two-week gap before the end of the season, maybe they'll uh, go along the lines of announcing which players are leaving and that kind of thing. Although that's not based on any any information or anything like that. It's just a gut feeling, kind of like the gut feeling that I had that the announcement will come after the Liverpool game. Uh, But yeah, we'll see see what United do in the next few weeks. Maybe there can be a miraculous change in form and desire and this kind of thing. But the players should have recognised bloody long ago that there was a new manager coming in and that they were under inspection. And there's been no suggestion even since Ralph Reinick came in that they wanted to change. So
1: but you know what, Scott? Like footballers are blinkered. Like the footballers that I know, and again, the conversations I've had over a decade-long period with with players at football clubs, is that players get in their own little headspace about their form and how they play, and even though it's a team sport, very insular in their thinking, and they just have these blinkers on. And there's no doubt this Man United squad has had his blinkers on since Ole and Solskjaer walked out the door because they've all kind of gone, we've got a new coach. Yeah, we're supposed to turn up and do this, that and the other, but there's a new manager coming. So my blinkers are on. That's how it is. Now, now maybe the blinkers are off. Maybe some of these players will be going, oh, this manager might not like me because I don't really play like Ajax footballers. Uh, maybe I need to run a little bit more. You might see a reaction. But of course, if you're going to bet on it, you wouldn't bet on it. You wouldn't be putting money on it and mm-hmm. saying, yeah, suddenly they're going to turn into a fantastic team. But you might just see that you get an uptake from two or three that have just been terrible this season, but they've all been terrible. But United players, I think they'll wait to pre season, but they do know that they want to stay at the football club in the next few games. They've got to show something, haven't they? They've got to kind of, they're auditioning now for their squad spot
0: next season. Yes, indeed. United play Arsenal on Saturday at lunchtime in the UK. Uh, I believe Chelsea then follows up at home at Old Trafford on Thursday. You going to that one, Rob? Thursday night, okay? well, it's supposed to be you know it's like
1: <laughs> this is how i feel about all the games like you know if i'm going for work fine if i'm going as a fan i'm kind of like oh you know not going to get home till two o'clock in the morning oh god i've got work at next day at eight o'clock all of those things affect you don't they but it's one of those things I, I, the chelsea game again is a bit of a strange one because it's been reorganized and it just shows again that the premier league just do not care about football fans. Yeah. Man United's last two home games, both being evening night kickoffs, which means that if you travel anywhere from outside of Manchester, it is a complete nightmare. Do the Premier League care? Do Manchester United care? It's all about, it's about that really. TV
0: money. All about the TV.
1: It is, of course, with the running. And Chelsea United, even if like Chelsea are not particularly chasing anything in terms of their agenda, Manchester United are part of the, the top four pantomime. But the game is a little bit of a dead rubber, really. So uh, that might be the match where you do see someone pop up out of nowhere. Or, or we've not talked about this, Ralph might play one or two of the kids. He might now go, I'm going to let Medjabry off the leash. I'm going to play Garn- uh, Garnacho for for 20, 30 minutes. That might be the reason why going to see United Chelsea would be interesting for a United fan, because you might see the seed of something that could expand next year.
0: Ralph is, of course, set to do his press conference ahead of the Arsenal game just after we record, actually. So we we haven't uh, found out what he's had to say on the the appointment yet. But uh, you can keep an eye out for that one. Uh, Rob, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I'm, I'm just really
1: pleased that it's done. And the timeline did follow what we expected. I said in the last one or two weeks, people have spoken to that we felt Man United would announce it this week. Um, I actually said we're kind of authorised that. And we just have to now look forward. And I think United fans, and I will preach this for weeks and months to come, United fans need to give this guy a chance. Yeah, Whatever your expectations are, the football that you want to watch, of course, your expectations to win, fine. But it takes time. I also said yesterday, Man United's expectations come first. We need to stop this kind of faux ambition of we want to be a top four club. Now, next year, yeah, top four is a good ambition because you've been so bad this year. But that isn't the the Man United ambition, Scott. We want to be top. We want to get past Liverpool. We want to get past City and knock them both off their you-know-what perches. That's what we want to do, what Fergie said all those years ago. We might do it a different way, but the ambition remains the same. Manchester United wants to be number one, and that's how we should be. We should want to be the best team on the football pitch each and every week.
0: Let's hope that happens, shall we? Uh, All we can do is hope because we are looking forward to a new chapter with Eric Ten Hag, who's been confirmed as the new manager of Man United following the end of this season and going into the next one. Uh, A reminder, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify a cast i don't i don't even know how many podcast providers are there uh, you can watch us twice google a week. it google, google Promised land and you, you'll, you'll be able to watch it everywhere <laughs> yeah, google it. you can you can watch us on youtube twice a week as well on tuesdays and fridays usually although we might change our day here and there depending on what's happening we'll give you some uh ahead notice if that does change head over to that channel hit the like button comment and subscribe uh, we want to build a community there. So please join it. Uh, and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio and on your audio platforms as well. Give us nice reviews. Um, there's, I know that you can give five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast Store and that kind of thing. So they always help too. So that's just another appeal to, uh, from me to you, the listener. Uh, and just another reminder to follow us and engage with us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob underscore B, for Rob and at Mu for the show, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you soon after Arsenal beat Man United 3-0. I'm sure that will happen. But let's see, eh? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today.